This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. So here's what's happening with Right From The Deep. Well, first, thank you to all our patrons on Patreon. You guys help make this show possible, and I can't even express how much that is true. Special thanks to our December sponsor of the month, Priscilla Sherrill. Yay, Yay, Priscilla! Priscilla. She's working on a memoir called Bunked. I love that title. <laughs> I know. Bunked. Life, Love, and Laughter with Traumatic Brain Injury. That'll be published by Redemption Press. And she also blogs for TBI, which stands for Traumatic Brain Injury slash PTSD Community on her website, www.priscillasharrow.com. Com. Right. Thank you, Priscilla. And I am excited to be teaching at the West Coast Christian Writers Conference in February of 2021. It's going to be all online, so yay, no plane ticket. You can find <laughs> out more info about that at westcoastchristianwriters.com. And I'm rejoicing because Miss Erin has been here at our house (laughs) serving with me as a joint coach for my hubby, Don, who had a total hip replacement on December 7th. He has an all-new titanium hip, and I cannot tell you how helpful it's been to have someone share the load during his first two weeks of recovery. It's been fun. There is no way I could have managed it without her. But sadly, she's heading home tomorrow. Seems like her husband wants her back. Go figure. So (laughs) she's going to have, because I'm going to be praying for it, a safe and easy trip home, and I will miss her. And now, here's here's the the show. show. Welcome to the deep, our listener friends. Thank you guys for joining us. We have spent two earlier episodes talking about strategies to avoid writer's burnout. Now that might feel like a lot of time to devote to this one topic, but guys, God does not mean for his children made in his image to live tired and rushed and stressed and burned out lives. That is not an effective way to, as it says in Philippians 2, 15 and 16, to shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. It also doesn't help you to, as it says in Hebrews 12, 2, to run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. You know, we don't want you to set a pace that you can't maintain or one that's going to lead you into giving up before you've run the whole race God has put before you. Right. So with that in mind, let's get to the last few tips we have for you. And the first one today is prioritize self-care. If you've ever heard flight attendants, you know, give the safety procedures before a flight, and you'll know that when they're talking about the unlikely event that the aircraft should lose cabin pressure and you need to put on that oxygen mask that is hopefully going to drop out of the ceiling like it's supposed to, you are supposed to put on your own mask before you help anyone else. Now, at first, I always thought that was kind of selfish, but then, you know, it struck me. I cannot help anyone else if I am not breathing, 
Absolutely true. And we've talked about this before, but it's worth talking over again. You've got to make sure you're eating, sleeping, resting, rejuvenating, and getting the exercise you need. Basically, that you're planning time for self-care. You know, it's not a luxury. It's an imperative. Right. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, You are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. It's not selfish to take care of yourself. It's God-honoring. Right. So don't stick self-care on the maybe list or on the when-I-have-time-after-everything-else list. There's only so long you can get away with mistreating your body, heart, and spirit before something breaks down. Right. And our next tip is going to give you another way to take a few things off your plate, and that is be willing to delegate. So take a look at everything on your to-do list and ask yourself, are you the best person to do it? Sometimes you're at a point where it makes sense to hire a virtual assistant or some help with childcare or household tasks or whatever. It's not just okay, guys, but it's healthy, like, say, to give kids responsibilities, for example. I know there's some extra time involved in teaching your kids a new task, but that should pay off in the long run. I know for me, I taught my my boys early how to do laundry and uh, I've never been sorry except um, yeah there was maybe that one time when they didn't know <laughs> this giant furry spider in the dryer was in fact a problem that should be dealt with before putting clean clothes on said spider so that, yeah. you know, that might have been the only issue but otherwise it's good to give them responsibilities. Thank you for that lovely imagery. <laughs> we'll never forget that now. <laughs> Women in particular can sometimes have trouble delegating. I don't know why that is. I guess sometimes we feel guilty for, say, hiring someone to do housekeeping. But where on earth did we get this idea that we have to clean our houses? I'm not saying do it in a prideful way, but also don't give in to that I can and should do it all attitude. That's just not true. And even worse, it's dangerous, especially since it far too often has its roots in pride or comparison. Delegating the tasks that someone other than you can do is an opportunity to develop a team mentality in your household and your career. Right. And our next tip speaks specifically to helping maintain and even grow your ability to be creative. And it's this. Practice unnecessary creativity. And I love that word. I was reading a book by Todd Henry called The Accidental Creative. And one of the things he suggests for people in creative careers is to dedicate some time in your week to what he calls unnecessary creativity. This is anything that you consider a creative task, but it doesn't have any pressure. You have nothing at stake. It's just plain fun. And this technique, he says, helps build your creative muscle. So you can be more creative during your work time. So the times you need to be creative on demand, doing unnecessary creativity actually helps you build that muscle. And one of the things that does this for me is feeding, caring for, and photographing the birds in my backyard. I've rebuilt our bird feeding station any number of times because right. I've realized I could do something better, or another setup would work better, or even something would look prettier. I look for pretty teacups and saucers. I glue them together and use them as little feeders for the finches and the morning doves. I mix different types of food together and build different types of feeders to draw a greater number of different birds. 
just recently, I added bark butter as a menu (laughs) option for the birds. And it's been so fun to see new birds coming to partake. I mean, it all lets me be creative just for the fun of it. And that brings me joy. And something I have in common with Karen is that I also love photography. And photography for me is unrelated to writing. There's no pressure. I just like to take pictures out in nature and look at them. And I I love especially close-ups of birds and other animals so I can see the amazing details God puts in each little creation. I love it. And I try to make interesting compositions. And sometimes I succeed and lots of times I don't, especially when the bird I was photographing flew away right before I snapped the picture. Sure, you know, that happened. I call them, he was there a while ago. (laughs) I just delete them. But here's the thing. I'm just stretching my creative muscles with composition. So think about the creative things aside from writing that you enjoy. It could be anything, baking, quilting, working with their hands, building things, cleaning, although I can't understand how, (laughs) landscaping, making music, whatever it is. Don't see it as a waste of, quote, writing time, unquote. All of these things, any of them that you choose, are ways to improve your brain's capacity for creative work. Sure, we've been telling you to do fewer things, so don't make this something that feels piled on. But if there's something you'd like to do or you've been wanting to do to stretch your creativity into other activities, do it. Chances are it will be a relaxing break, and so it does double duty as a part of self-care. So our next avoiding burnout tip, is to evaluate your load. Burnout is that kind of slow road we travel without realizing that we've gotten off on it. And we need to assess our load on a regular basis. Things change. Seasons change. Activities that used to energize you may now drain you. That's okay. And things that used to drain you might suddenly start to energize you. That's okay too. You may need to just shuffle your daily schedule or reevaluate your deadlines and schedule regular times to ask yourself, do you like the pace you're on? Do you feel rushed all the time? Do you feel stressed? If the answer to those questions is yes, I feel rushed and stressed, then it's time to take a hard look at what you need to change. And if the answer is no, you guys, yay. <laughs> but yeah, that that's doesn't fine mean too. that doesn't mean you don't ask yourself that still regularly. Hopefully, you know, you're always saying, Yeah, I think things are okay. That's great. But I'll tell you. When things happen and you start feeling rushed and stressed, the biggest danger is that we don't realize it. And I'll tell you, uh, my husband's job went away a couple years ago and we were dealing with his unemployment for a long time, like a year, and we were trying to get our house ready to sell and I was trying to write and edit and produce new podcasts and our dog got cancer and died and then Alan got a job suddenly and had to relocate without me and I had to pack up the house by myself and move and then it sold fast and I had less packing time than I thought. And then the sale fell through and on and on and on and on and on. And I could not figure out why I was dealing with terrible bouts of fatigue, much worse (laughs) than I ever had in the past. And someone asked me if I was feeling stressed. And I said, well, I don't think so. And then I started (laughs) listing everything going on in my life. Um, hello. Yes, I was stressed and I never even realized it. You know, responsibilities can pile up too. They can change and they simply become a part of your new normal and you don't even realize how much they're weighing on you. In the last year and a half or so, when Don was so incapacitated by the pain in his hip, I had to take on his chores as well as mine. 
And that was okay for a while. But before I knew it, I was actually resenting everything that I had to do and that he could hardly even want to help with anything. And when that happened, I knew it was time to stop and evaluate to find out what could possibly change. You have to stop and ask yourself if that's happening for you. So you ask yourself, are the needs of my family changing? Are the demands of my day job changing? Or are the demands of my writing career changing? I mean, if you've recently got a contract, life is going to be very right. different <laughs> than it was just a few months ago. So if you have something new you want to take on, if things have changed, whatever, stop and evaluate. And if you do take something new on, ask yourself and, and actually do this. Ask yourself what you're going to take off your plate in order to make room. Right. And other things, you know, you could ask habitually, okay, like every day, did I try to fit too much in my day today or in my week? If you've planned more white space in your life, like we talked about on a previous episode, that's going to help you and give you the time to evaluate as you're going through the day. You can ask yourself, you know, what have I learned about how much time I gave to these various tasks? Am I going faster or slower? And some things you might start to systematize and they get faster and easier. It's all good to know those things. And also make sure to evaluate your mental, your physical, emotional, and creative health after finishing big projects, you know, how did it go time-wise, stress-wise? What should you change to make the next big project go more smoothly in your life and in the life of everyone around you? And did you give yourself enough recovery time? Plan specific times for a broader evaluation into your schedule. So check yourself, check in, you know, weekly or at least monthly and for sure quarterly and yearly. Now, don't hear us saying that you'll never be tired or feel like you're never too busy. That just isn't going to happen. We live in a fallen world, and things take place that we just don't anticipate. And don't hear us saying that you need to be gazing at your navel all the time and asking yourself how you're feeling. Right. This is all about balance. You need to promote a lifestyle conducive to mental, emotional, and spiritual health. And that's what we're encouraging you to do, to find a pace that you can sustain even if you've had some sprints now and then. A few sprints here and there aren't bad, but if you're sprinting all the time and constantly out of breath and stressed, it's a problem. Right. So our last tip can help you keep your heads and hearts in the right place, and that's remember who it is you serve. Right. As writers, let's get this right. We are not here to be served, but to serve. One of the most unattractive and unhelpful traits a writer can have is entitlement and pride. The world does not owe us. Our readers don't owe us. God doesn't owe us. Our task is to communicate God's truth through words on a page, but also, also through our actions and through our responses to everyday events. Why are we talking about this as a way to avoid burnout, it's because the wrong attitude stirs up negative emotions and those drain us. We cannot feel rested when we're feeling resentful or angry, and we cannot effectively create from a place of hope when we're frustrated and bitter. Take it from someone who has lived in that place for too long a period of time and who God dealt with, that would be me, <laughs> about the fact that I needed to realize that I was doing what he designed me to do, being a helpmeet to my husband and serving him. And that was really hard for me to accept because it wasn't something I chose to do. It was something I had to do, which meant I had to give up other things that I enjoyed. But 
It was the most important thing he had for me to do at that time. So like Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says, whatever you do, do your work heartily. Ask for the Lord rather than for men, or I would insert here, rather than for yourself, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Amen to that. God is the one who judges our writing and our actions and our intentions and our attitudes. He's the one who will reward us as he sees fit. We may never see earthly rewards for our writing. We have to be okay with that because it's God we serve, not a publisher, not even readers, and God who has reserved a priceless inheritance in heaven for us. Right. And because it's God we serve, it's also God who makes us able to serve. It's God who gives us the creativity and the passion and the joy and the strength. And God's supply is inexhaustible. When we're creating hand-in-hand with God, we are connected to the source of life and creativity, and it never runs out. But he's also the source of true rest and true peace. You know, with Christmas and New Year's and all of that that we're facing or have faced, we need to recognize that ultimate peace doesn't come in completed tasks. Having the the perfect holiday and doing everything that you wanted and fixing all those foods in the perfect way, that's not going to give you a sense of peace because too many things can go wrong in life. No matter whether it's a holiday or not, peace comes from being with God throughout your tasks, being present with him, asking him if you're doing what he wants you to be doing. Sure, there's a certain satisfaction in completing tasks, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But friends, that's not the source of our worth, because there will always be more tasks and more projects. If that was the source of our worth, we'd feel lousy for never getting there. And some of us do feel lousy, but that's false guilt. We need to remember that the abundant life God created us for comes from being obedient to him, comes from being focused on him, comes from asking him if we're on the right track, comes from taking care of ourselves the way he is telling us to take care of ourselves. It comes from giving ourselves time for, quote, accidental, unquote, creativity, for things that nurture us and sustain us. It comes from remembering there's only one that we serve a mighty one who loves us beyond anything we can imagine and who is calling us to partake in creativity with him, not because he needs us, but because of how very much he loves us. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same.